Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. We are back, myself and Braun, after a, a, a pretty good win on Monday Night Football, thirty-five to seventeen over the Detroit Lions. Uh, we're not even gonna <laughs> we're not even gonna talk about the the loss, the beatdown to the New Orleans Saints from the week prior, thirty-eight to three. We couldn't do a podcast last week, not that we really really wanted to, but we're not even gonna discuss that. On to week two. Good win against the Lions on Monday Night Football. Braun, how are you? How have you been? Things are good now that football's back, and we're kind of heading into the season here, starting one and one. So, um, you know, obviously a lot to talk about with everything, you know, with the past two weeks and obviously moving forward. So there's a lot to talk about, and I'm excited to get into all that with you, buddy. Yeah, same here, same here. Uh, Everyone made their joke on Twitter about week one being the fourth preseason game didn't count especially Monday I don't know how many jokes I saw on Twitter uh, I can't wait for the Packers regular season opener tonight uh, but really that was it did seem the case because the two teams that went on the fields week two versus week one it looked like two completely different teams it looked like a preseason team versus a regular season team almost uh, I, I don't know what happened week one I really I do not know knowing what happened to the Saints in week two against the Carolina Panthers I do not know what happened. I don't know how we scored three points, but Monday night definitely looked a lot better. Definitely looked like the 2020 Packers offense that we had grown used to seeing. And uh, it was just a solid win. Our playmakers were making plays. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones especially. They were all playing how we're used to seeing them play, which wasn't the case in week one. So uh, honestly, it was just fun watching watching what I'm used to with this Packers team. Yeah, it was definitely a different vibe than that week one loss. It was, you know, it, it almost was... I didn't even know what emotion to feel after and during that game. It was just, it was very surprising. Obviously nobody thought we were going to come out and score three points, but, and then in this game, you know, we obviously played better, but there were still some struggles and some things against the lions where it's like, okay, they're ahead of us at halftime. We have to pick it up or we're going to be 0 and two. And then people are going to be going insane. Uh, so it was great that we were able to come back and shut them out in the second half. And we'll get into all of that specifically, but um, yeah, overall, let's let's kind of get into some of the injury stuff that we've got going on with this team right now. So number one, obviously, uh, coming just out on Wednesday uh, with the practice reports, we've got Elton Jenkins. He is dealing with some kind of ankle injury. He played through it to finish the game on Monday night against the Lions, but uh, there's something there. And Matt LaFleur is kind of, he's talked about how he's going to try and give him the full week to play on Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, obviously that's concerning because if, if they were to be able to, if they weren't able to have him uh, on Sunday night against that fearsome pass rush with Nick Bosa and the, and the gang over there, um, that'd be a huge, huge loss. I mean, you're talking about then having to probably move Bill Turner to the left side. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't been great in pass protection. He's obviously more of a run, uh, a run blocker in, in this, in this league, uh, even playing in, on the right tackle spot. He, he's so well suited for guard. Uh, with his just athleticism and ability to move in the run game. But we've had him at tackle because of his experience there and his versatility. Uh, to, to, to lose Elton Jenkins, that would push uh, probably push Bill to the to the left side and then have Dennis come up. Dennis Kelly, the former Titans right tackle, would probably have him and come move to the right. So more jumbling that would be, and, and that would obviously not be a good thing for this Packers offensive line that's already teetering in terms of injuries. Yeah, it's, and of course, I mean, the last thing in the world we want going into this game against San Francisco is Elton Jenkins to get hurt out of all the offensive linemen because we, we're in a spot now where without David Bakhtiari, there's hardly been a drop-off at left tackle going from Bakhtiari to Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins, by the way, just 
he is he is going to be in the Pro Bowl every single year for the rest of his career, it seems like, because he, he can just really play anywhere on the offensive line. I'm not sure there's anyone else who is, you know, as as versatile as Elton is in the league right now. But uh, he is so valuable for this team. So the the thought of not having him going into San Francisco this Sunday night is not a it's not a great one to think about. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about Elton Jenkins, and obviously with David Bakhtiari being down for the for the first at least six weeks, to think about that offensive line when when David does come back, you've got such a boost there to the offense to be able to have David on the left, and then probably move Elton and keep him permanently at the right. Then you move Bill Turner back to his more natural spot at one of the guard spots, probably on the right side. And then, of course, you just pick the, pick out of the litter of whatever rookie is playing well next to Josh Myers. And, I mean, that's an incredible line. So I'm super excited about what we have moving forward deeper into the season. But for now, we kind of have to manage what we have, you know, especially with the injuries that we've got. Um, we've got to find a way to kind of manage – uh, all these players, especially these young guys who are not only, you know, playing some of their first naps of their of their career, uh, but we're trying to win football games and it's hard to kind of go through those growing pains. Um, but so far, you know, so good. I mean, we've, we've done a pretty nice job, as Aaron Rodgers has said, the pass protection. It's been pretty solid over the first two games and we need that to continue. And of course, we need, El- we need Elton Jenkins to be able to do that as well. Yes, 100%. Let's cross our fingers and hope he, he feels better as the week goes on. Uh, moving on, though, we have more injury news in that Josiah DeGuaro was back at practice. He has been he was inactive on Monday night. And in related news, Jay Sternberger was waived on Tuesday. Uh, just just a b- ugly situation for Jace there. We know what he went through off the field this summer, obviously suspended for the first two weeks, and then he gets waived like he did this week. Uh, I'm just hoping for a fresh start for Jace. Third-round pick, everyone talks about how Terry McLaurin was taken by Washington, right? The pick right after we took Jace. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm just hoping he's, we did have him on the podcast. Uh, nice flex there by me, but we did have him on the podcast and he's a, he's just a really nice guy. And I'm hoping that he can have a fresh start somewhere else in the league. He was picked up by Seattle today, actually. So hopefully that works out well for him. Yeah. I, of course we love Jace over here and, and it, it really does stink to have him, you know, he was a third round pick and he really just couldn't stay healthy those first two years. And then the suspension kind of really did him in. They just have four guys that they really like. I mean, Josiah, obviously, they, they did a similar thing by picking him in the third round just in that 2020 draft. So uh, to have that go the way it did um, for Jace is disappointing. And, of course, Daphne has kind of inserted himself into the conversation. He played a lot on Sunday. Um, excuse me, he played a lot on Monday. So, there's you know, he's obviously in the in their plans. And, of course, you've got Mercedes and Robert Tunyon. So the, those guys are kind of locked in. And Jace would have had – you're taking a spot away from another guy, and there's not really anybody glaring that he, he would replace. So he's obviously he's now on Seattle's practice squad. Would have loved to have him back on our practice squad. But obviously he, he obviously wanted a fresh start. You know, if he wasn't going to be on the roster here, it sounds like he wanted to be somewhere else. So, you know, that's, that's where we're at now. Um, to not have him, you know, that's a third-round pick that – you, you call that a bust. I mean, that's, and, and it's nothing to do with Jace himself and it's really nothing to do with the coaching staff. It just didn't work out in green Bay and he's got a chance to continue to play well somewhere else, but he just has to stay on the field. And obviously we wish him all nothing but the best. Yeah. Well said. Uh, you ever think about how we've had over half of the tight end room 
on the Today in Title Town Packers podcast. It's pretty Over crazy. Over half. Yeah, we, we've got <laughs> a lot of tight ends. <laughs> They've all been tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty crazy. Dominique Daphne had a good game on Monday night. Anyways, Josiah DeGuara, I'm pretty excited to have him back. Obviously, everyone talks about the week one game last year where, where before he got yep. hurt, he was he was looking like a real chess piece for Matt LaFleur in this offense. So I'm excited to see if he's got anything in the, in the playbook for, for Josiah. Yeah. I mean, his ability to block in the running game. I mean, he is like a fullback type player, but his hands are excellent. He's like a tight end fullback. They call it an H back. He's going to be, he's going to be a chess piece, but the problem is he's got injured in week one and in both of his, you know, his first two years, he's been hurt. He, he did not play much at all last year, obviously getting hurt and then getting down with the ACL tear on a special teams play. And then, Week one, just against the Saints this year, uh, the concussion. Hopefully he's ready to go for this week, and we can finally start using him if he can stay on the field. So I'm excited, obviously, to have him in the mix as well, putting him in plays with, with Aaron Jones and, and things that are going to be very nice to, to where it kind of is like that illusion of complexity, disguising different things, where when you have an H-back or a fullback type player in the game, you don't expect to throw the ball as much. But with him, you have to worry about that because he's going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield just like any other tight end would. So it's going to be great to have him back, and hopefully he can get on the field this week and practice. Yep, yeah, absolutely. What do you say we jump into this this game here, Bron, against the Lions week two, as I said? Uh, Monday Night Football win, 35-17. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Let's start with the offense. Aaron Rodgers had looked, on the stat sheet at least, looked like his former self, four touchdowns. Eight, over 80% completion, over 200 yards, much better than week one. But uh, I don't know. Some things just looked off. What, what did you take away from Rodgers' performance on Monday? I think we both agree that, like, when you look at those numbers that he had, I mean, the passer rating, you know, the, the, the touchdowns, he played extremely well on the stat sheet. But we both, and, and many Packers fans, understand that there was some things left out there. And that's, of course, when you've got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, we expect the best out of him and we expect perfection. Um, and he holds himself to that standard as well. So, you know, when he doesn't get everything that's on the table, um, we're going to critique it a little bit. And I feel like he played well. He obviously played better than he did um, in that matchup against the Saints. You know, he made he made a lot of good throws. He he left a couple plays out there, though, and he specifically mentioned those three to MVS. Uh, th- those were some deep balls. The first one that he tried to hit MVS on, I think it was – where he hit the the Lions defender in the helmet. I felt like that was a great throw. In in other years they might have called that pass interference because he didn't have his head turned and stuff like that, but you know, it wasn't much contact, so it just kind of was unfortunate MVS couldn't get his hands around and it was just good coverage, but the ball was, you know, p- placed pretty perfectly, maybe a little short, but overall it was easily a uh, a throw that could have been caught by MVS. And then the other two, we overthrew him a little bit. So there's, you know, there was some plays left out there. He missed the one to Tunyon, but then they got they got the touchdown anyway. Um, that was in the red zone. Uh, but overall, I, like I said, you look at the stat sheet. Rodgers had those four touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick. You know, he, what did he go, 22 of 26? 22 of 27. Uh, 22 of 27, something like that. Right, yeah, 255 yards. Um, he threw almost 10 yards a play. So, I mean, that, w- that was something that, you know, you look at the 145.6 rating. Um, I feel like he played pretty well, and this is—I feel like this was almost just like a stepping stone into kind of getting back into the groove and the rhythm. He mentioned he needed to play more in rhythm. He he talked about that a lot this week, um, and I feel like that was, you know, something he did at a high level. Yeah, the the offense in the first half it started out a lot like it did last week. Aaron talked about this where we just they had three real drives. Two of them ended in touchdowns. One of them was a punt. 
um, it was it was a weird first half, and you know the the Lions went into the into halftime with the lead, but it, it didn't feel like it did last week at all. It didn't feel like oh no, we might go zero and two. I don't know why. It just felt like you know it's the Lions. I don't think I don't think this is going to be much of a challenge. I was pretty confident the whole game, and then coming into the second half, it just it looked like Rogers said, "Let me throw the damn ball," or <laughs> something of that nature, because he just started dealing it. In the in the second half, first half was all about the run game. He threw under under a hundred yards, definitely. I don't know how much exactly, but in the second half, he was just he just started dealing play action, uh, didn't hand it off as much. And you know he he had some good, some a lot of good, but some bad. And like you said, we hold Rodgers to such a high standard in Green Bay that it's like I I sometimes have to remind myself that if I was watching any other quarterback play like this I would be like this is a great game from him so but you know for Rodgers coming off an MVP the some of those deep balls that were missed is like ugh, come on Aaron you got to hit those especially on three attempts but um you know that that uh the missed throw he had two MVS again uh, at like the two yard line that that looked like weather maybe but that was just like ah Aaron come on come on we gotta make those throws but Overall, definitely a much better game than week one, to say the least. And like you said, playing in rhythm, that's that's the most important thing. Because week one, he looked like his 2018-2019 self, which was just turning down open receivers and just holding on to the ball, trying to find the big play on every down. He had a his time to throw. PFF has a stat called time to throw, which measures the time from the snap to when the quarterback throws the ball. Uh, last year, Aaron's time to throw was 2.69, and he won an MVP. Uh, last week it was 2.89. He had a 36.8 passer rating. He was just he was turning down throws that he definitely would have made last year. But this week he he talked about it last week how he wanted to work on the timing, get back in rhythm, and he he definitely did. His time to throw was 2.76, a much better imp- improvement. Uh, when he was under 2.5 seconds to throw, he had 86.7 completion, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and zero sacks on the season so far. So I, I hope he definitely starts playing like he did last year, which is just, you know, hit what's there, play within the offense, let Matt LaFleur make your life easier, and uh, quit trying to play this backyard football because that's when things seem to hit the fan. And, you know, it's not like Rodgers can't show how great of a thrower he is when he plays in rhythm. He doesn't have to get outside the pocket or, you know, create on his own outside of the structure of the offense in order to show what kind of quarterback he is. I mean, we saw it on Monday night how he's able to – stay inside the pocket, throw underneath that 2.5 second mark like you mentioned. And, I mean, he's really controlling the backside safety on that Tunyon touchdown. I I mean, he's got his eyes to the left, and then he knows that Tunyon's going to be there, even though that Lazard is wide open. Just, you know, pretty much everybody on that play, Brett Favre said it on the the ESPN2 telecast, everybody was open on that play, but Rodgers has the backside safety. That's a two-shell look. I mean – it's and, and everybody's open and, and of course he he wants the biggest play available and he kind of hit that ear hole throw and it was just everybody went crazy I mean that was one of his better throws in the last few years and obviously he had an MVP year last year and it was just a rocket and Tunyon uh, perfectly placed where he he had nothing to do but catch that ball so um, that was obviously an excellent throw and then obviously you talk about the one to Devonte Adams. Uh, prior to that, where he just kind of threw the go, it was a one-on-one. Uh, that was when they were out of the two-shell stuff that plagued them in week one, and Rodgers was able to take more advantage of that since they kind of opened up the run game with Aaron Jones, who we have barely mentioned, but he just obviously deserves some mention. Uh, but you know what they did? They, they ran the ball well enough to take advantage of that too-high safety look with that lighter box, and then 
the play action, the keepers, the run alerts opened up, the passing game got into rhythm, and then Green Bay just established the run, and then they were able to open things up more in the second half, and it started with that Devontae Adams go route for 50 yards. Um, and it kind of went from there. He was able to really let loose and, and throw the ball at a high rate, and then that looked like the Rodgers were going to see for most of the season, if not the rest of the season. That throw to Tanyan was absolutely unreal. That's like an all-time Rodgers throw right there. Just a freaking missile right between the safeties, right past the linebacker's head. And great te- great catch by Tanyan, too. I was like, no way he catches this. And then I, I'm not going to forget how I felt when I, when I saw that he caught it in the end zone. Just someone on Twitter called it throwing a rocket into a shoebox. And that's like the only way you can describe that. I don't know how he sees Lazard. The only thing I can think of is that he read all the articles all week. He saw all the tweets. Tom Fanning probably told him a thing or two about how the the Saints played too high and that's the Packers kryptonite they put out the blueprint whatever 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 everyone kept talking about uh this two shell look against the Packers and he's like I got Lazard wide open right here but let me say you to all this cover two stuff and just throw a bullet that was just incredible what a throw what a quarterback (laughs) what a quarterback what a quarterback you got the best one in the league and we we saw it I mean we really saw how great of a thrower he is and and you know he knows that not many guys if any guys can make those kinds of throws on time in rhythm and do the kind of things that he can do um so to see that uh was you know it was encouraging after what we saw I, I didn't doubt his skill level after week one, and I think, you know, most reasonable fans weren't too concerned. But, you know, the fact that we had our clunker in week one was new. Usually it comes in a, a different uh, week, usually closer to the middle of the season after a bye week. Uh, <laughs> but this time this time it was after the off season. So, uh, you know, it, it's understandable. The Saints are a good team, but they didn't look like it. Uh, you know, it's the NFL. They didn't look like it in week two, but they were scored 38 points in week one and it's just it's the nfl once the packers were out of that game they were out of it for good like they just had no nothing they could do to get back in it and three points 38 points it didn't really matter what the score was they just had no chance to win that game the entire time uh as soon as rogers threw that pick after getting uh hit in the groin area as soon as that pick happened that was it i mean it was just like that was our best chance and it was over at that point so but to see him now play well again, and we know what kind of player he is, obviously, to see him get back right into that uh, that MVP level of play, now we know that we have that, that – ch- this is that chance to go win a Super Bowl this year because as long as he's playing that way, um, we know we're going to be in it to win it. And uh, like we said, great to see him playing well again, and uh, let's hope that continues. Obviously, Devontae Adams kind of said, you know, we're just getting started to Aaron Rodgers uh, after the game. So I'm encouraged, and obviously let's talk about the running game a little bit too uh, because Aaron Jones looked phenomenal, um, and he's just another piece of that offense, part of that trio that we have that is going to hopefully carry us back into that Super Bowl contention once again. Yeah, Aaron Jones was just – he was electric. He was what we're used to seeing from Aaron Jones. He's making a, making a case for why the Packers paid him this offseason, which was a heavily controversial decision. But uh, he he definitely proves that this offense is much better when it runs through him. And that doesn't have to just be rushing the football. It, it, 
he is a definite factor in the passing game, especially when they're gonna when the defense is just gonna sit two high safeties the entire game. Rodgers will hit that check down when it's open. Hopefully, most weeks he will. Not week one for whatever reason, but most of the time when he's got Aaron Jones wide open in the flat, he's gonna give him the ball because he can make moves and get past old linebackers like Jamie Collins and make him look silly all the time. Aaron Jones in this game had six targets, six receptions, caught all of his targets, and his six receptions were the most in the game since week 14, 2019. So in, if you remember 2019, Braun, I'm sure you do, it felt like Aaron Jones was like our only weapon at times in that season because obviously we had Devontae, but Rodgers was just not sharp enough that season to hit him as consistently as he did last year. And, uh, and Aaron Jones was really the when we had big, explosive offensive games, it went through Aaron Jones. And that might be the case again this season, the way teams are doubling Devontae. But uh, he's definitely a weapon, and there's there's not many backs like him in the NFL. I think you're definitely right about, really with Aaron Jones, it's all about the fact that when he's playing well, we seem to win. And think about this team. If, if we didn't have Aaron Jones, if we didn't pay him the money that he certainly would have gotten somewhere else and even more than he got, if we didn't give him that money, I, I don't know what this team would be. It, it just wouldn't be the same team. I don't, I don't think we would have as good of a chance to win the Super Bowl, regardless of who we brought in with that money. I mean, Aaron Jones is truly the focal point of this offense because he does not only he's not only such an elite runner, he's he's like we saw three touchdowns in the passing game, in addition to the one that he had running the football. I mean, what kind of running back is doing that? Nobody's putting up those numbers, nobody's having that effect on the game. And now teams are gonna be scared to play that two shell safety coverage. I mean, like it's just not gonna be the same. Now, I don't know what San Francisco is gonna do this week because Obviously, they've got they'll probably trust their their front that's so good with Bosa. They've got the rookie, not the rookie anymore, the second year Kinlaw in the mix there. They've got Eric Armstead. Their, their front is so talented. They might be willing to sit there with you know six in the box and just roll five in the box. But we're gonna have to see what they're willing to do. Um, they're they're gonna definitely be willing to rush four a lot, even three at times if they want to make Rodgers try to beat them. But See, I don't know what they're going to do, and, and the Packers now face a challenge. You you know that they were going to see more two-shell stuff because they obviously the Saints had a lot of success, and then they saw it versus the Lions, and they took advantage in the running game instead of trying to beat it in the passing game. And then once the running game opened up, they were able to beat it in the passing game. So those are the kind of challenges that they'll face um, coming from a team with a much better defense like San Francisco. Yeah, and it, it's going to be another test of – Ken Rogers stay patient. Eli and Peyton kept talking about this on their broadcast about how frustrating how frustrating it can be for a quarterback when the team is just sitting there with two safeties the entire the entire game, daring you to run the football, and how easy it is to get impatient as Rogers did in Week One. But uh, you just if they're gonna give you that light box, you just gotta stick with the ground game, especially when we got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. I mean, it should be an easy decision for Rodgers to say, all right, I'm taking this game off, I guess, if that's how you're going to play us. And then when you do run it well enough, obviously establish the run is kind of a kind of an old head philosophy in football. But it, when they're playing too high the entire game and you just run the football down their throat, eventually they're going to go with a single high safety, just like the Lions did on Monday night where we hit Devontae for 50 yards. Eventually they're going to stack the box and try to take away the ground game when you're as efficient as the Packers can be. So what do you think about the fact that we've kind of sat here and, and this is now two games in a row where we came out flat, not necessarily flat, but in the first game, definitely. But in this, in this game against the Lions, it was definitely not as potent as it became in the second half being, you know, going down 17 to 14 against the Lions at half. So what do you think about the fact that we've come out starting slow 
two weeks in a row. And this has been a common theme over some Green Bay Packers teams under Matt LaFleur over the years where we just seem to, if we, if we don't get the ball to start the game, which is rare because they always defer, but this time the Lions got the ball and chose to receive. So, you know, what do you think about the fact that we have been starting slow? Can we do that against a team like San Francisco or, or, or going up against a team uh, with a more potent offense that could easily catch us like, like the Saints did? You know, like, can we do that consistently? Can we start slow and come back and have good second halves? Or do you think we have to kind of put something together, maybe receive the ball to start games? You know, maybe that's the key. And Rogers talked about that a little bit. But what do you think it is? Uh, that's kind of holding us back. And, and what do you think we can do to solve that? Well, I think Rogers was asked this at some point last week where he talked about how during the run the table stretch in 2016, a major change they made was they started taking the ball when they won the coin toss or the, the, twin, the coin toss. And uh, obviously I think that helps the Packers momentum. I don't know if you, anyone believes in momentum listening to this, but I think it does help when Rod, when Rogers and the Packers offense are able to set the tone They've, throughout the years, they've been so good on the opening drive, and the opening drive is probably the easiest drive for most offenses because it's pretty much all scripted. And uh, when they're able to get that ball first and just go right down the field and score, kind of sets the tone for the offense and the defense. Because as we saw in Week One, sometimes when a team just takes those long, methodical drives all the way down the field and they're able to score touchdown or field goal, I don't know. It just seems like Rodgers gets a little bit impatient. I compared it on Twitter to like when you're playing Madden and that happens to you and it's like, oh, first play you want to call is the the PA go or the PA shot play, whatever it's called. It's just the, the deep post from the play action. And just like, cause you just want to make a point. You just want to show the defense. You just want to tie it up already, but it's hard to stay patient when you're down seven that early in a game. And I think that's, I think that definitely had something to do with it last week, which is why we played the way we did. But you know, Rogers also loves the double up opportunity at halftime. He loves being able to score right before the half, get the ball after halftime, and score again. Uh, but that doesn't happen that often, I don't think, to justify deferring on every single coin toss, especially when you know it's, we have performances like we did week one where I think setting the tone early could have definitely played a, a prominent factor in the game. You're right. I mean, you think about what we saw in week one. When they got down, I think it was, what, it was at 10 nothing, and then it went to 17 to. Th- did it get to seventeen to three? I, I thought at halftime it was, but it was at one point it was sitting there ten nothing, and Matt Lafleur has already got them spreading it out, and they're running five wide, and guys are running deep, and Rodgers just can't hit it. You know, he's trying to trying to find guys. He's completely ignoring some of the underneath stuff, and he's looking for the big play. He's trying to get out of the pocket a little bit. He's taking over that two point five second mark that PFF uses. It's just nothing's in rhythm, and then we saw a change in that. Really, this entire this entire game, we saw him play more in rhythm. They didn't have as much success as they did in the second half, but they got into a groove. And, and as we saw that rhythm come, it got he got more and more comfortable, and things started flowing much easier. Um, we saw the success that had. Now, if we're talking about you know the decision to defer, I I've always thought I've been the same way as Rogers. That to me, the math just makes sense. If you if you come out and stop them on the first possession as a defense. That that's not only a momentum builder, but then you get the chance to start going ahead and get up early, and and now you've got it. You've got not only the possession on them, but then you've got the points, and then you're also going to get those back to back potentially, you know, to start the second half. And then to me, it just adds up where you have a greater opportunity to get more points on the board. But there's also that, like you said, there's that intangible factor of 
you go down and score quickly and it's like the defense knows like, Oh, this is going to be a long day. And then like now, every now the lions are playing catch up. Like if they were to do this last week, then you've got the team like the lions playing catch up who aren't great offensively. And then that's when things can spiral out of control for them when they're trying to do what we've been trying to do as we've deferred. Um, so if we can be that team that gets out in front and try to make other teams play catch up, maybe, you know, mask a flaw that we have, which is stopping the run when we've got guys like Tyler Lancaster getting pancaked off the snap and, and other things like that, I mean, we're not we're not doing well in the running game. Luckily, we haven't had a huge issue with that yet. Um, even, you know, Alvin Kamara, we were able to kind of hold down the fort a little bit, but Kenny Clark has played great. But can we successfully do this on a consistent basis? Um, the question is, you know, I think, to me, I think we should try and, and receive if we can against the Niners and hopefully they don't have to, if we can get out ahead, maybe they won't run the ball as much. Maybe they'll start trying to throw it with Jimmy G. Um, and, and then we can kind of get out ahead and make them go, try to throw the ball. Like I said, and then that's how we can kind of win this game and, and have them playing catch up the whole time. Yeah, I agree. And anything we can do to make the opposing offense a bit uncomfortable, we're definitely going to have to do with the, the current state of the defense. But uh, back to the run game, I have I have some stats for you, Bron. Uh, Aaron Jones, three reception touchdowns. That's a career high for Aaron Jones. He hasn't had more than one in his single game since Week 8, 2019, versus the Kansas City Chiefs. If you remember that game, he had a phenomenal game. And uh, Jones and Adams, Devontae Adams, actually combined for 10 first downs and 64% of 12s completions Aaron Rodgers is 12 uh just so I don't know if if you didn't know already Aaron Jones had a (laughs) great game on Monday yeah he was just so phenomenal and it just makes me you know when you're thinking about this team like I said you think about oh my gosh like what if he wasn't on this football team what if they chose to sign uh whoever or what if they you know what I mean like what if they paid Rodgers some kind of extra money like I I don't even know what they would have done with whatever they didn't use on Aaron Jones but I mean they need him badly and I'm just glad they paid him and I'm glad that they were able to come to an agreement because it's so important that he's with us right now um, on this journey to hopefully what is a a Super Bowl playoff run Um, and like we talked about he's got to be the focal point moving forward and it's not that you know Devontae's obviously going to be the number one target in the passing game and we're obviously still going to throw the ball probably more than we run it obviously too which that you know that's not nobody's losing anything, but we need to make sure that we get Aaron Jones involved at all times. And we need to make sure that he's not only catching the ball out of the backfield, not only running it, but he's just going to be involved on every play. And he's going to, even when he's not the focal point of a play, he needs to be moving. He needs to be in the game. It's just so important to have him on the field because of what he can do and the kind of attention he takes away from everybody else. Absolutely. And it just, you know, the saying running backs don't matter. I think isn't, you know, 100% true, but I do see the point in that rushing production is greatly contributed to by the offensive line rather than the running back. But when you have a guy like Aaron Jones or Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, when they can provide so much in the passing game and their head coach just knows how to use them offensively, I think that's a different deal. And I think Aaron Jones is definitely worth the money that we paid him. And like you said, if we didn't have him on this team, it would definitely be a great loss for Rodgers and the the entire offense, just not, not being able to throw to him when we really need to, or just handing it off on the ground. He gets so many more yards than an average running back would. He's he's so talented and he's so athletic and elusive. And then, you know, we've also got AJ Dillon, which is, you know, the major argument in not re-signing Aaron Jones, but 
when <laughs> I would rather have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon than just AJ Dillon, obviously. But uh, AJ Dillon, he had four yards after contact per attempt, which which is a great number. He just turns consistently turns one yard gains into three or four yard gains, and you've everyone's seen his legs. I mean, he can carry a man or two up the field, and so having him with Aaron Jones, Thunder and Lightning, the classic the classic backfield duo. Uh, it's just it's it's a lot for the opposing defense to handle for the Packers. Definitely, I mean, to have both those guys is is so crucial because they both do a couple things really well, and and they kind of complement each other in a perfect way, like that thunder and lightning style uh, duo. It, they're really perfect for each other, um, and that's why you know that's why I'm so excited about that backfield. And not only them, but of course you've got Kylan Hill, who's kind of a do it all back, and he's showed a lot of the great things on special teams. I thought the special teams played really really well. Um, against the Lions, obviously the punting has been better. Uh, it's just like you can tell; it's it's very clear to the the casual eye. The punting's been better. Uh, obviously, we were returning the ball, and Kylan Hill had a couple nice returns. One of them got called back, but he had that one really nice one that counted. Um, Amari Rogers is gaining positive yards on punt returns. Like it, it, we've just we've upgraded that part of our team, and that's going to help us win close games. You know, having that special teams, and then you look at the rest of the offense. I, we haven't even gotten some guys involved as much as I know Aaron would like. And, and even we would like, like uh, Randall Cobb, he got a few plays in, obviously he had that one, uh, actually two, there was uh, the two uh, free plays where he was able to connect and it was very vintage Rogers Cobb, that connection. It was just like the old days. And, and he's, I know Cobb can easily be a, a strong contributor to this team. Alan Lazard has barely gotten involved and we know what he's able to do. He had, he had almost 200 yards, against the Saints last year, and then he had that injury that kind of derailed him, but he was just getting started. MVS, Rodgers missed a few plays to him, but he's doing so much, and his impact off the off the ball has just really, really shown uh, shown itself these past couple games, and I really feel like he's playing well, even though he hasn't really touched the ball at all. So I'm excited for those three guys specifically to get more involved as well. If For MVS, if those three incompletions that Rodgers talked about went differently, he would have had a three-touchdown game, probably over 150 yards, and it would have just felt so much different. And again, he was open on all of those. It's just Rodgers just happened to miss him. If he can start hitting those like he did last year, because Rodgers, that was not an issue for Rodgers last year. So I'm hoping it's not a sign of things to come, but... It, Rogers needs to start hitting those because that's that's how we blow games open, just like we did last season. And like you said, the, his impact when he doesn't have the football is immeasurable. Like on the Devontae play, the safeties had to double MVS because it was third and long, and they're more worried about MVS than Devontae Adams, which third and long, that's probably the only time that's the case, but it still helps in situations like that when we can get single coverage against Devontae. All right, with that, uh, unless you have anything else to cover, Griff, I'd like to talk about this defense that has been uh, concerning, to say the least. But they had a, a shining moment when they shut out the Lions in the second half. Yeah, before we get to the defense, let's just touch on the offensive line because we've got some right, young guys right. on there who have been <laughs> – they've been just awesome, man. The Packers, what is with them? They have like – they've got the Back to the Future Sports Almanac for all-pro offensive linemen, and they just draft them every single year. Because John Runyon, Josh Myers, they look phenomenal. Just as every, pretty much every single offensive lineman that the Packers have brought in over the last like decade. Yeah, I mean that that group is like we said, they're really doing a nice job holding it together without the best tackle, the best lineman in football there. 
Um, I know the Packers really think Elton Jenkins is is at that level of like maybe one of the more valuable guys in the league, one of the best linemen in the league on that Bakhtiari level. But even, you know, not even considering those two guys, uh, like you mentioned, those young guys, Josh Myers has been really impressive. He's the highest graded PFF uh, rookie offensive lineman. And, and a lot of guys picked before him. He was picked in the second round. The Packers passed on a guy that was probably more highly touted by some teams in the pre-draft process, but they look like the smart ones right now. And you know what I mean? And who knows? Maybe whoever they draft, I don't know if it's their coaching, maybe they could draft a seventh round guy in the first round and he'd play well. I mean, who knows? Like <laughs> just like just everybody they draft at this point has come in and contributed right away. And it really takes all five of those guys as a unit to play well. And I think they're all doing a great job. You're only as good as your weakest link. And I feel like they're all doing a great job of of not being a weak link. And, and that's kind of keeping everybody afloat. Uh, the pass protection has is, is truly been the great part to me where the, they're really keeping Rodgers up uh, up on his feet for the most part. Rodgers has walked into a couple, but you know, and they could be better. It's, it's, not, it's not perfect. They are missing the best tackle in football. They, they could be better, but it's been good enough to win games. I feel like even in New Orleans, they played decent enough. Uh, moving forward, I'm excited to see how these guys continue to grow as a unit. Uh, and then once David Bakhtiari comes back, like I mentioned, that offensive line is going to be super exciting to watch and, and one that I'm going to be super confident in going forward. Yeah, I think all the sacks on Rodgers this season have been part- at least partially blamed on Rodgers. But uh, this this offensive line, John Runyon, zero pressures allowed. Josh Myers, one pressure allowed uh, in both games this season. What do you think about when Bakhtiari gets back? What do you think we do with Elton? Do you think we just have to put him at right tackle because that's where he'd be the most valuable? Or do you think he should go back to his natural position? I don't think he has a natural position, honestly. I mean, he was playing that's center a good in college, point. And, right? He was playing center in college, playing a little guard. I just think he's probably best served playing right tackle for us because that just makes everybody – I think everybody will be feeling more comfortable and will be playing better. I just think – to me, it's mostly about Bill Turner. I just prefer him to kick back inside just because I feel like he's so much more athletic and, and it just suits him more being not a super huge guy. He's a bit more of a lean offensive lineman, but he's got the height and the athleticism that is really going to punish gar- uh, punish guys on the inside, those nose tackle – uh, those nose tackle types. So to me, I just definitely think that it would be best served for everybody to have the veteran move into the right side and then have obviously Elton on the, on the, on the outside um, once Bakhtiari comes back and then you plug in whichever, uh, whichever of those guards, whether it's Newman, uh, whether it's Runyon or whoever else uh, steps up in the coming weeks, but uh, whoever's what, you know, Lucas Patrick, I mean, whoever's playing best at that point, you plug them in and then you've got, Josh Myers in the middle. So to me, that's just the best way to go about it. I think I, I think Bill Turner is probably best suited to move back into the guard spot. I agree. I'm I'm pretty excited for Bakhtiari to come back, as I'm pretty you know everyone is. But I I don't know. I'm thinking about how that could affect Rogers' game. Maybe if he can get a little bit more comfortable. Maybe if he's if he's a little if he gets the heebie-jeebies back there with so many young guys on the O line. Maybe having his friend. Bakhtiari back up there uh, get him a little bit more confident and then if we move out in the right tackle having those bookends on the uh, guard in the edge for Rodgers I think I don't know maybe that helps a lot it, it, Zach Cruz always talks about how this season feels like 2014 and you know the rookie center Corey Lindsley started out a little shaky Rodgers was a little nervous but you know maybe he can get more comfortable getting that snap from Josh Myers and everything's just going to be smooth sailing as the season goes on that's the optimistic yeah, perspective, of course. 
Right. I definitely think it's, I mean, it's not going to get any worse. I don't think, especially once David comes back, I think as this unit grows and these guys kind of start finding their roles and, and uh, getting comfortable playing in the NFL, you know, with a, with a veteran line and, and playing with a quarterback uh, like Aaron Rodgers, especially Josh. Like I, I think he's going to get more and more comfortable. I feel like he's done an excellent job in the protection stuff. Obviously we can't tell that on the game copy, but you can tell that he's pretty comfortable in terms of, you know, setting protection and communicating with Aaron, obviously the snap count, all those things, you know, being able to snap it when Rodgers wants to try and hit a free play, all those things, you know, so far so good. Like we've, we've seen them have success in all those areas and we haven't seen any, a lot of, a lot of centers in this league over snap guys, or, you know, send one over your head or they leave one on the ground. Even Corey Lindsley had one of those last year. It's only been two weeks, but we haven't seen any errant snaps. We haven't seen anything else like that. So, um, so far, so good. That's really all you can say. And let's let's hope that that continues to you know, improve and he continues to get better moving forward. All right. Before we move on to the defense, we got to tell you a little bit about our friends over at Fanlocks. You may have seen the newest Fanlocks this last Monday night as the owner of Fanlocks was the guy who caught Aaron Jones on his third touchdown Lambeau leap. The company is now back, producing the novelty dread caps for the Packers, for the Badgers, for pretty much any team's colors you can think of. So we just want to show our support for a local company, which is becoming a national brand, and who still supports those fans and is trying to do some good for people. They still donate to fans who are losing their hair in chemotherapy treatment. In fact, they have a campaign in which you buy one, and they will give one to a patient at the hospitals that they work with. So, check it out. Fanlocks.com. Follow their Facebook. Follow their Instagram. All of that, and show your support for not only the Packers, but also a small local business who's doing good things off of the field as well. All right, Griff, let's talk about the defense a little bit. Obviously, like I mentioned, up and down um, in this game and obviously a lot of down in their week one matchup with the Saints. Uh, so let's talk about it. So the, what do you think, first of all, we saw how things went with Kevin King. He gave up that huge completion on that third down to start. Um, and then, you know, he didn't have a great game uh, up until that point. So uh just that was one of those things where we kind of felt like, okay, well, they're going to have these same issues that they've been running into since the, you know, since they were in the playoffs last year. Um, things are kind of in that same position. And then they couldn't stop the run for a bit, and they scored seventeen on us, and they, the Lions were up seventeen to fourteen at half. Um, so now, then they went and shut them out in the second half, apart partly in due to the fact that Aaron Rodgers and the offense was playing so well, scoring points, holding the ball. Um, but we saw some timely turnovers, some big plays, the Lions being the Lions by making their own mistakes and shooting themselves in the foot. All of that had to do with the fact that we were able to shut them out in the second half. So overall, what did you think of the defense? And, and tell me about your thoughts on the defense uh, after two weeks and what we've got moving forward in the, with that unit. Well, man, the, the best defense is a good offense. And we saw that again this game because our run defense is still atrocious. Our defensive line outside of Kenny, Kenny Clark is just a joke and Kevin King man it's like he is he's comically bad at this point he's been such a meme all offseason and we come out on a new deal I'm pretty optimistic about him he's not gonna have as big of a role but he's probably been the worst cornerback in football he's been atrocious this season here are his stats Bron (laughs) here are his stats when he's goodness gracious here are his stats when he's been targeted this season okay He's been targeted six times. He's allowed five receptions for 133 yards and a touchdown. That's not counting the touchdown that Matt LaFleur said was on him on Monday night against the Lions. And you know what passer rating he has allowed this season? A perfect 158.3. That is 
all-time Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady combined GOAT-level quarterbacking right there when I'm, quarterbacks choose to throw out Kevin King. Kevin King, like I, I did not think I'd ever hear the words perfect and Kevin King in the same sentence. But, <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious, he has been bad. He's just been bad. It's, it's, it's comical, like you said. Um, and, look, he's played well at different points in his tenure in Green Bay. Did he deserve to be brought back on a $6 million deal? And would anybody else pay him anything close to that? No. There was a reason he was sitting out there on the market. Nobody was going to pay him that kind of money. Nobody was going to put him on their team, period, at this point. I mean, he could be on some team's practice squad right now, like, but yet he's starting for us. That's probably a little harsh, but, I mean, Eric Stokes just played so much better, and he's a rookie. That, that was his second game, and that was his first significant snaps that we saw uh, in this week two matchup and he played so much better. Like he's just such a better athlete. It's, it's just so clear that we need to obviously change something. And what, what, what we saw was they jumbled things in the secondary a little bit in the second half. Uh, we saw Kevin King play in the slot, which a lot of people, I, I was hearing uh, a lot of fans telling, you know, they were saying, Oh, just put him in the slot. And it's like, okay. I mean, that just doesn't seem to suit him at all. Like, he plays flat-footed consistently. He gets beat by guys who – like he got beat by Quintez Cephas, and he runs a 4-7 on his best day <laughs> at the Combine. I mean, like, goodness gracious. Kevin King was – I think he ran like a 4-3-something or like a 4-4 at, at worst. I forget what he ran at the Combine. But he on Quintez Cephas' best day, he runs a 4-7 flat. Like, and now he's sitting here in the league, and he probably is running something like a 4-8. And, Ke- and he just blew by Kevin King. He's so flat-footed. And then you see Eric Stokes, even when he got beat on that that deeper fourth down play, uh, it was his second breakup. He got beat to start, but his makeup speed was so much, it was so clear. You could see it right there. Uh, and then he was able to find the ball, turn around, and make a great play. It was He had three breakups in the game. I mean, it was just so much clearer that he's the guy to be starting, at least on the outside. I don't know what they're going to do in the slot. I mean, like, to see him matched up against Debo Samuel is just like a joke. Like, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward with him. Matt LaFleur seemed to think that was a pretty good uh, combination of having Stokes and Jair on the outside. I, I, King can't play the outside anymore. It's just like he can't. The stuff that he does best, pushing guys to the sideline and getting up on them, being physical, like he just can't even keep up with guys to do that anymore. I don't know what they're going to do with him moving forward, but it's clear that Stokes needs to be that true starter next to Jair. Well, not next to Jair, on the outside with Jair. And then, to me, they've got to go with Sullivan for now because he can make plays, but I don't think Kink is really best suited to be in the slot in most games. Like, I think the Lions receiving core is just that bad and that slow compared to other teams. I don't think King's going to have any success, and it's going to be the same story if he continues to play starter, staff, starter snaps next week against the 49ers yeah I think the I think the thing about King in the slot is that it's just it's it's a less dangerous position for Kevin King to be in the slot rather than outside for sure 100% he played 22 snaps in the slot on Monday night which was by far a career high his previous career high was nine snaps in the 2019 NFC championship game fittingly enough against the uh, San Francisco 49ers but you know I if I don't know why the team is so adamant about him being on the field I really don't know why but 
if he's going to be on the field, I'd much prefer it to be in the in the slot because at least that allows Eric Stokes to come onto the field and eat all of his outside corner snaps. But yeah, I agree. I think I would, I'm on the Chandon train now, man. I mean, I think I think our starting nickel package should definitely be Amos, Darnell, Jair, Stokes, and Chandon because Kevin King on that on that catch he gave up to Quintez Cephas, the one you were mentioning on on the opening drive for the Lions. It's like watching him. Watching him play defense is it's like watching Woody from Toy Story try to play defense. The way he moves, he doesn't move like an NFL athlete. He moves like your uncle in the backyard trying to cover your your cousin, you know? It's I don't I don't know why I don't know why he must be on the field. Is it the experience? I don't know. And I, I do feel bad about saying this because I've rooted for Kevin King for a long time. When we drafted him, I was so excited about him. But, man, there's just no there's no reason why he should be starting right now. What's the excuse that – I mean, like, what can we do at this point? I don't get it. Why? How can they continue to keep him out there and continue to claim that he's a good football player? They always make that claim. Brian Gutekunst says it. Matt LaFleur, they just they, – they call him a good football player, and he's just not a good football player. Like, I don't know why they're so stubborn about it. Maybe he's a fantastic guy in the locker room. Like, I don't know. He probably is. I think that's the case, man. Yeah. I think that's the case. I think a lot of guys look up to him in the locker room. I think him and Matt LaFleur – I think Matt LaFleur clearly loves him. I think a lot of people yeah. in that locker room do love him as a person. But, man, the football player, Kevin King, the football player, is just not good enough. I mean, to me, I compare this situation to Demarius Randall because the way that Brian Gutekunst shipped him out of Green Bay with, you know, there was reportedly some kind of attitude issues with him in the locker room when he wasn't playing as well and they started, like, taking away some of his snaps and stuff. And he had a good rookie season, but then he just started falling off. And Brian Gutekunst shipped him out of town to the Browns for a backup quarterback. Like, but with Kevin King... You know, he started off playing a decent level for us. He, he was never as good as Jair started off. And even Eric Stokes has gotten off to a better first game start than King really ever put on the table. But he still played well. Like, he's a first-round corner. You know, Demarius was also a first-round corner. And they just, to me, like, I don't know why they're sticking with Kevin so hard when they've been so willing to move on from guys uh, over the past few years, like a Demarius Randall, who really – you know, he could have gotten another chance, like, but they, they're sticking with Kevin King, who played much worse than Randall really has played. He, King has single-handedly cost us games by just not being there, missing assignments and stuff like that. Like, he's he's just, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know why they're continuing to play him, but if they're going to, maybe in the slot, if, if that's where his home is going to be, maybe he has more success there. Um, maybe it's the fact that he'll be able to kind of put his hands on a, a smaller a receiver or deal with maybe some shorter intermediate routes, different concepts that he won't have to get, you know, he's not going to get beat deep down the middle. Hopefully, you know, he'll have a little more safety help uh, in terms of the middle of the field, even some linebacker help as well. So maybe there's some things there about the fact that he's not on an island out there. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe there's a, an ability to help him more. But to me, it's just like, if they're going to put some guy in there, I don't think Chandon's all that great. I definitely, I mean, they we saw in the NFC Championship game, Brady clearly targeted Chandon Sullivan and Kevin King and had success against both. I think Chandon's probably a little better suited to be playing the slot at this point because he's been playing there for a long time. Um, so I would probably, like you said, probably stick with Chandon and put King on the bench and 
just kind of, you know, in hopes of having at least having some depth in some capacity with him on the bench or playing in, in minimal snaps on the outside. I agree. I agree. Uh, especially about the the putting him in on, on an island stuff on the outside, which is, you know, stuff like the Scotty Miller touchdown with three seconds left in the first half happens when he's out there all alone. And, you know, in the slot, he played 22 snaps in the slot on Monday and he only, he was only targeted once. So it's much, it's much safer to have our worst secondary player hidden kind of amongst the linebackers. Um, Eric Stokes, in comparison, though, wow, wow, does he look good? He looks, he reminds me of a young Jair. He really does. Twenty eighteen Jair, right. he was just breaking up passes like crazy. Stats or uh, Stokes stats this season. Stokes stats, uh, according to PFF, he's been targeted five times. He's allowed one reception, and it was that touchdown. Which again, Matt Lafleur credited that touchdown to Kevin King. So according to Matt Lafleur. Stokes has been targeted five times with zero catches allowed, zero touchdowns, obviously. And he's got three pass breakups, which is the most impressive thing. Uh, he's just he's going after the ball. He's playing hungry. Again, he looks he just looks a lot like Jair. And if we can get two Jair-esque players out there, then uh, I think that's that means a lot for our defense. Yeah, I mean, you put it in a really good way. Like, I feel like he is kind of making that same presence felt when he's on the field like Jair did. Uh, like you said, the way that he was breaking up passes in, in his rookie year, Jair, it feels like Stokes is doing that same thing. And it's, it's because these quarterbacks are trying to test the rookie, you know, like, and I just feel like both of them looked the part really early on and Stokes really looks the part. I, I think he's got that same level of confidence, that swagger. Like, I feel like we've got two really good corners. One of them in the making, one of them is already at that, you know, top one or two, three guys in the league. Like, I think Stokes is on his way to being a truly good corner in this league, and, and he's shown some really good things. His physical stuff is so great. Like, he's got the intangibles that you can't teach. Like, he's got the makeup speed that Kevin King does not have. He plays light on his feet. He's quick. He's He, he found the ball on that, on that play where he broke up that deep fourth down pass. He stuck with the receiver well enough where he got beat off the snap, but he's just faster than every other guy on the field at all times. So all he has to do is play a little catch-up. Jared Goff didn't see him in time to try to take advantage, but I still think Stokes would have broken anything up shorter. And then they got to the end zone. Stokes turned around, found the ball, kept his hand on the receiver enough to, to put good coverage on it, get a hand on the ball, and now he's playing great defense uh, for this Packers football team on key downs in you know the fourth quarter, on fourth down. like That stuff is, is elite star-level stuff that he's doing in his first game playing starter snaps. So to me – Super excited to have him working uh, and playing hard. And another guy I want to talk about and touch on, uh, you mentioned the linebacker help with with Kevin King potentially in, in the inside. We've got a linebacker that can definitely space the floor a little bit out there and, and kind of use his speed and range. Devondre Campbell has played some great football for Green Bay. A lot of people disagree with that, but if you just watch the tape and you look at the fact that he's moving around faster than a lot of guys we've seen play that position for Green Bay, He's all over the field, and he's he's a factor in pass coverage, and his speed is very evident. Griff, what did you think of his performance in these first two weeks? I'm ready to call him the best linebacker we've had since Nitschke, Honestly, he just he <laughs> obviously I'm joking, but he looks. It's just something that we're not used to having in Green Bay, which is just a linebacker who we can trust on most snaps to cover 
what he's supposed to cover, to follow his assignment, to not allow a wide open tight end or running back in the middle of the field. And it's nice. It's nice having a guy who looks juiced up out there. You know, we've tried the Christian Kirksey's, the Blake Martinez's, the the Antonio Morrison's. He, he's a forgotten Packer, isn't he? You remember Antonio Morrison? There's many more that we've got in that middle <laughs> linebacker position that are very yeah, forgettable. Yeah, there's plenty that I'm forgetting. But, uh, yeah, Devondre Campbell, he's he's looking really good. PFF really likes him this season. They have him ranked third in the NFL in yards per reception. He's allowed 4.9 yards per reception. His longest pass allowed this season was eight yards. He's, he's allowing a reception every 5.6 snaps, which is third in the NFL. And he's, uh, he's allowed 25 yards after the catch, which is tied for ninth in the NFL. And that's the thing that's that's most glaring, I believe, about Campbell. Is that he he allows a lot of catches. He's he's not going to be in there breaking up passes, but he does not allow you to get very far after the catch, and that's that's something that I appreciate after watching so many linebackers just throw their bodies at guys and everywhere on the defense for so long. As long as I can remember, this Packers defense has been all about throwing your body at someone. But uh, it's Kevin nice having King. a guy who can wrap up Kevin King. Oh, he's he's the ideal throw your body at him. Hope it works out. Uh, but you know Campbell. I'm excited to have him in the run game. He's not as dominant of a factor, but uh, you know, in the pass game, that's that's the more important aspect of of playing linebacker for the Packers, at least, because we've gone without it for so long. I mean, okay, let's talk about it a little bit. I thought he did really well. Um, I thought he did really well on on Monday night. Like, but I'm seeing like these, you know, these experts and these people on Twitter and and you know these Packers reporters and. Some of them are saying that Campbell's playing bad or he was horrendous. And I'm like, okay, he had the, the one play where he didn't look great but still played the ball really well. Uh, he was covering Hawkinson, which wasn't his responsibility, and Matt LaFleur confirmed after the game that that really wasn't on him. He shouldn't be out there covering one of the better tight ends in the game. Uh, and that was probably, you know, there's a safety should be helping him. He shouldn't be left there alone to cover him. And – he, he was still there and it was a great play, great throw and catch. Like he was right there, you know, running, running right with Hawkinson. Like that was the one play where to me, he didn't look great. He had some stops in the running game. He he had a lot of, I think he had 13 tackles or something like that. Like he, he had a, a great game in terms of, like you said, he's stopping guys in their tracks before they can get any further. Once they get to him, it's, that's it. You know, like he's, he's, he's not, he's not going to let anybody buy him. Uh, strong tackler. Like we have, we don't have many strong tacklers on this team. We've got Amos in the back end and, and a couple other guys, but like he's, he's definitely been a different, uh, a difference maker at that middle linebacker position for us. Uh, I do think he can help in the running game and I feel like he already has. Uh, but, but at that point, you know, it's already three, four yards deep where he finally gets to have a chance in the running game for the most part. So we need those guys like Tyler Lancaster needs to take a seat for good. Like, I don't think he should be on this football team anymore. He looked her- just horrendous, and I don't know what's going on with Kingsley Kiki either because he's been the lowest-graded player on the defense uh, for two weeks in a row now, and, and this is supposed to be his, you know, this is one of his years where it's like, okay, time to go here because you've had a few years where you've been either injured or whatever, guys playing in front of him, and he's still not showing enough to get on the field, so now he's playing significant snaps, and he's not playing well. I mean, they, they need to find something there. They need to change something up. I think Heflin's time is probably coming to get in the game. But Lancaster, Lowry, you know, all these guys, just it's not working anymore. So I don't know what they're going to do there. But like like we talked about, I think Campbell has been really good for this defense, and I think he's going to continue. 
as he's now that headset guy, I think he's going to continue to be the leader of of that middle of the field defense, and and I think he'll be playing well for the most part. Yeah, I think the obvious weakness on this defense right now is is the defensive line, as it it's been that way for so long, man. For so long, it's been Kenny Clark and a bunch of scrubs. Why is Tyler Lancaster had a starting role on this team for what three seasons now? At least, th- at least two. This has got to be the, at least the third season that he's been a day one starter. But man, we really just can't improve there at all. We tried on Kingsley Kiki, but that was in the fifth round. I'm not going to count that. Uh, I'm not going to expect Kingsley Kiki to come in and be an All Pro. Kenny Clark, I feel bad for the man because he is out there dominating and you wouldn't even know it because on every snap, everyone else is getting blown off the ball. And it's so easy to just take care of one defensive lineman. Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these guys. I want I want someone in there next to Kenny Clark who can make this defensive line something to be afraid of because right now it's not. Kenny Clark is actually our leading. He leads the team in pressures this season with eight. Rashawn Gary has seven. No one else has above three pressures on the season. So it's just Kenny Clark, obviously the best player in the front four. And uh, I wish there was anyone else who could, you know, take some off of his plate. You know what's funny? You mentioned the pressure stat, and I agree, like, Looking at Kenny Clark, I feel like he's played pretty well these first two weeks, and he looks like he's been truly disruptive. But nobody's helping him on the other side, uh, on the sides of him. Uh, nothing adjacent to him. He, he really can't. He can't handle it all. So I feel like everything uh, has been a struggle um, for the for the guys up front. But one guy who you know he doesn't have those pressure numbers like you mentioned, but it's weird because he's playing pretty well, and and PFF says that as well. He's our highest graded player. Um, so far for the first two weeks, Preston Smith kind of revitalizing himself here. He knows he didn't play great, um, last season, obviously. And I feel like he's kind of showing his true colors these first two weeks. And I ho- hopefully for the rest of the season, uh, I feel like he's a good player and, and he's the first two weeks have been good. I, I've seen some good pressure. He's created turnover worthy plays. He's continued to do that. That's always been something he's been good at, but I feel like he's continuing to get better. Um, kind of coming back into what he was in that first year with Z. Uh, he's kind of out there alone right now with Rashawn Gary. Obviously, the Smith bros not together at this moment with, with Z on IR. But um, I feel like Preston's playing pretty well, and, and PFF agrees uh, as he's our highest-graded player um, on the team so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Preston could have gotten a lot worse than last year. I mean, this is the thing in the NFL. You're never as good as your best season, and you're never as bad as your worst season. We, I, No one really expected him to match the 2019 uh, pressure numbers that he had, which were just absurd, sack numbers as well. But, uh, you know, last year, that was just, he was weirdly, weirdly bad last season. So, you know, you're not crazy to think that he's going to be, he's going to be able to bounce back this season. And it looks like he has. He hasn't been a monster in the, in the pass rushing, but he's been able to play the run well which he has throughout his entire career. So he's he's at least someone that we can rely on on the defense to be a, you know, a, a good starter, not someone that we need to be replacing right away. But pressure overall has been the biggest issue on this defense. Two games, zero sacks, zero sacks in both games. And both games, man, it's like it not only is there no pressure, but they're able to the quarterbacks are able to literally just stand there in the pocket. I'm not going to forget this play all season. Week one, Jameis Winston literally 
he he's dropping back, kind of floating around, and then he at one point he just stands there, literally doesn't move anymore, just stands, and there is absolutely nothing. It's like a six man protection, but we can't get anything going, man. No one can get in the backfield. And same thing with Jared Goff. He had all day on every single throw, untouched pretty much. I don't know what needs to happen. I guess Joe Barry's going to have to dial up some more pressure because this front four, this front five even, they're just not getting home without Zedarius Smith. Even with Smith last week, I mean, obviously he didn't play a ton of snaps, but even he didn't do too much uh, to pressure the quarterback. So it's it's... Having a secondary that we do with Kevin King having a starting role right now, it's kind of a risk to send anyone from the coverage to pressure the quarterback, but it's it's not a good formula when the opposing quarterback is able to stand in the pocket for seven, eight seconds without even being pressured. Yeah, I mean, we saw that. I feel like Jared Goff, there was times where he had some pretty good time as well, but he was also getting the ball out pretty efficiently and in rhythm. So it was like a mix of like, okay, Kevin King's in the secondary and we also can't get any pressure. So it was like kind of working out well for the Lions to start that start that game, obviously. So uh, moving forward, it's difficult not having Z because like you said, the front four, at this point, the front four is Preston and Rashawn on third. And if we're talking third downs, it's going to be Preston and Rashawn and then you've got Kenny in the middle, but then it's like Dean Lowry or Lancaster or whoever else, Kiki. And it's like, Okay, well, if Rashawn and if Rashawn and Preston can't get there within three seconds, and and Kenny Clark is taken by two guys, and then Dean Lowry gets pancaked, like it's like okay, well now we're you know what I mean? Like it's just like it's not going to work. So we need to figure out if we're gonna if we if we don't have Z, we have to send some kind of creative pe- pressure packages. But Joe Barry looks very passive. Um, he looks very passive in terms of his scheme. Like it's just like he until Matt Lafleur basically told him that we should dial up some pressure. He did. He just was not pressuring the quarterback at all, trying to just, I don't know why, you know, what does it take for the defensive coordinator to see that just letting them pick us apart in coverage with Kevin King being the guy at the butt of the joke, every, every play. Um, I don't know what the thought process is for Joe Barry. Like, I don't know what he's thinking. It's hard to tell. Um, but I, and I get it like, yes, he is a defensive coordinator and and this is a new system for the players and stuff, but like, this is the green Bay Packers. We don't have time for a grace period. We don't have time for an adjustment period or, or the growing pains. Like we just don't have the time for that. This is, you know, maybe one of our last chances at the Super Bowl. like who knows how long Rogers is going to be here. He is 37 turning 38. Like we don't have all this time in the world to, to make mistakes and lose games and, and stuff like that. So it's time to start figuring things out. And uh, I don't know why Matt LaFleur seems to have a better idea of, of how to coach a defense than Joe Barry at this point. But I mean, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like we have to figure this out quick and I don't know if it's Joe Barry or Matt LaFleur or the players that's going to solve it, but things have to start being figured out uh, positionally players on the field in terms of the personnel Uh, and also the pressure packages. So it's a lot of things that we have to figure out as we head into our toughest game yet uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm starting to think that it wasn't Mike Pettin. It's not Joe Barry. These players just, they they don't have it, you know? And I don't know why, obviously I'm I'm all for running it back on offense. I'm all for bringing those guys back. But uh, on defense, why did we have to bring everyone back? Why did we have to not improve it at all? Other, Other than Eric Stokes, who looks very solid. Uh, why was Kevin King brought back? Man, Casey Hayward was out there. 
And he so he got signed by Las Vegas. And so far this season, he's been targeted five times and zero receptions allowed. We we couldn't go with that. We had to go with Kevin King. Why? I don't get it. Why couldn't we bring in some extra defensive line help? It's I, I don't understand. And the thing that really boggles my mind is if you're not going to bring anyone in, might as well keep Mike Patton. So there's at least some continuity for the last dance. That's why do we have point. to get the why do we have to get Joe Barry? Who Joe Barry, by the way, comes from the Rams system, the Vic Fangio system, which is two high safeties, stop the pass, invite the run because you're not going to win a game running the football, especially with a good offense. We bring in jo- uh, Joe Barry with that philosophy. But meanwhile, our players who have been on this team for two seasons for the most part are notorious for being awful against the run. Going back to the 2019 NFC Championship game where Jimmy Garoppolo completed six passes. It's that same run defense outside of a few players. It's that same defense. So why are we going to bring in when it's clear that teams who commit to the run and want to run the football against us, that is our kryptonite kryptonite on defense so i don't understand the i don't understand the mix there with joe barry and obviously he has had a very poor track record as a defensive coordinator in the past i'm willing to give him a chance as it goes along here because it's there hasn't been any major coverage busts outside of kevin king who i'm willing to put all the blame on him at this point i think he has (laughs) a bad enough track record uh, but, you know, outside of King, there haven't been any major coverage busts. There's opportunities to improve on this defense. Like, you know, the, the touchdown, the to the first Lions touchdown where Stokes and King both went with the same guy. Who knows who that's on? But there's going to be miscommunications like that. And there were a ton of it last week. So I'm willing to hope that this defense is going to be able to improve as they learn the playbook, get more comfortable with the with the scheme. But uh, as of right now, the early returns are just not great for Joe Barry. And for it's a bad look for Gutekunst too, I think. Yeah, well, it's a bad look all around. I mean, when they collectively, you know, Matt Lafleur even too, like everybody. The fact that they, I wanted JJ Watt very badly because I feel like getting him. I don't care how old he is at this point; he's still an impact player, and I think he's having success in Arizona, and and he's going to continue to have success there and be a part of a great defensive line. I thought that having him, putting him inside next to Kenny Clark. I mean, how do you stop that four-man rush of Watt, Clark, Z, and Preston, or Z and Gary if Preston wasn't going to be there? Like, to me, that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to clog the middle with Kenny. Like, who's going to stop that? You know, who's going to get through that? That That's what I wanted. But instead, we decided to re-sign Kevin King for $6 million. We decided to, you know, not add anything to the defense apart from Devondre Campbell, who we signed for the vet minimum. Like, and he's been good. But we needed more. Like, we needed more. It's just – and then you talk about the coordinator change. You made a great point. If they're going to keep the same players and they're going to keep, you know – and basically the scheme isn't all that de- – like, defense is defense. Like, there's only so many things you can do to change coverages and things like that. They're going to run a lot of two-man. Okay, I mean, like, why don't you just keep the continuity of the playbook and just – decide what kind of defense you want to run and adapt with what Mike Pettin's already running because Mike Pettin was much better in terms of look it's early but Mike Pettin at least could create pressures and and dial up different pressures and he he was a little more creative with his personnel usage and and the chess piece style stuff that we saw where he was putting Z, putting Z in the rover spot and having Clark next to him and then having Rashawn and Preston rush on the outside or or just getting creative with Zadarius and Rashawn like 
all that stuff was good. And even when we weren't playing bad, we weren't playing like this feels like the defenses of old, like the 2016 defense. This feels like, I don't know if it's a talent thing. Like, I feel like we have talent, but then I also like these guys aren't playing well and I don't know who to blame, but it feels like in the 2016 NFC championship game when we just, we just blowing coverages and Ladarius Gunter's out there. Like, it's just, I don't know what's going on, but it feels like a defense that's not going to be able to win us a Super Bowl at this point. So it's, it, we have to figure something out, whether it's adding talent by with a trade or free agents. I don't even know, but like we need to add something. We need to make some kind of change. Griff, is there a scenario where you could see them moving on from Joe Barry quickly? And I don't know what they would do from there, but I mean, like if things get ugly, they can't afford to run the same defense if they're losing football games as a result. I don't think there's any chance they move on from Barry midseason, but I think there is a chance maybe at the trade deadline someone becomes available and it's this is the last stance. Let's go all in because uh, I'm not a Mike Patton fan. I wanted Mike Patton gone just like everyone else did. But when it when we're gonna go with the last dance, run it back, whatever, bring back Kevin King for no reason, why? Just keep him around for one more season. He wasn't great, but he was enough. You know, if we have a good offense, he's enough. You can't say the defense lost us the NFC Championship game. They played a part. Kevin King played a major part, but they, you know, they didn't lose us that game. But you're right. This, I was thinking this during the game. This feels like a 2016 defense. This feels like a like a defense that will literally lose us a playoff game, which is never what you want to have. We've had enough of that in Green Bay, man. It really would be fitting for Rodgers last season, I guess. But I, no one wants that, man. Was, they've got to do something, I think. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's rotating players, getting Kevin King off the field a little bit. But when they're making Jared Goff look like Tom Brady out there, it's awful, man. He threw like one incompletion the whole first half. It felt like he was nine for 10 at one point. The last touchdown the Lions scored in the game. That, that was the seventh touchdown the Packers have allowed this season, and which tied a franchise record. And that was in that was only in six quarters. They still had two quarters to go. Luckily, they shut him out in the second half, probably because our offense started cooking. But that's it's just this defense. I recency bias has taken a hold of me because it's kind of you know you're kind of uncovering it all in my brain right now, Braun. How awful this defense was in the first half because man, they were so bad. They were just so bad, and I don't know it what was it is. Bad. I really don't know it what it is. It was bad. I don't know what it is either. I mean, you think about Mike Pettin. Like if they were to keep him around, like you think back to the NFC Championship game. Like what changes that game? If Will Redmond catches that pick, that's, I mean, like that stuff, Mike Pettin can't really help. And yes, the halftime thing, the before halftime, Hail Mary, Scotty Miller disaster, like that was on not only Kevin King for, you know, not being able to cover the man, but it was, yes, the communication breakdown. Matt LaFleur deserves some blame. Mike Pettin deserves some blame. But then, you know, the players made plays. Jair had two picks. Like, we had that second half resurgence. The defense made the turnovers that they always – I don't know. I mean, the defense, like, the players can only do what they can. They can only execute. And if the players don't execute, then how much can you blame on the coaches? It's such a slippery slope. I really don't know who there is to blame. Everybody deserves some of it. and That's all I know for sure. So we've got to figure out a way to, to get to a point where we're not sitting around blaming – or trying to figure out who to blame or trying to figure out who deserves to be fired. And if Mike Pettin needed to go and whatever, like let's get to a point where we're trying to figure out who deserves all the credit. Like we need to find a way to revitalize this defense before it gets too late to where like I could see this easily becoming a situation Griff 
2016, I mean, that defense, we all remember, like, what it was like where it was just like, okay, if the Packers, you know, hopefully they score 45 today so we can actually have a chance to win. And then, of course, the Atlanta Falcons, like, that game was just – it was like a complete disaster. And it feels like this defense is is showing shades of that. And we have better players than we did at that point. Like, obviously, Jair and Zadarius and Kenny Clark in the middle. Like, there's just so much great talent on the defensive line – or not on the defensive line – but on the defense itself, uh, to, to see the, the way that they're playing is so alarming. I don't even know what to think. We've got to make a change in some capacity, and I don't know what it's going to be, but I guess that's for them to figure out. I don't know either. And going into San Francisco this Sunday, I'll tell you what, Bron. I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what, Bron. Uh, <laughs> this Sunday night, um, the Ravens and Chiefs were playing, and I was – just going to bed post game and all day I'd been thinking who do we play next week I could not remember who we played week three and I I, di- I never checked I didn't know and I just put my head down just watched the great game Lamar Jackson great player great game uh, I just put my head down shut my eyes going to sleep and I hear Chris Collinsworth say or Al Michaels say uh, and after the break we're gonna talk about San Francisco Green Bay next week and I I shot I opened my eyes I shot up I was like Oh, no, man. That is my worst nightmare. I didn't know we had to play the 49ers next week. And God, man, the nightmares I'm going to have for the rest of the week before that game, they're going to be severe because Kyle Shanahan, I know what he can do to Mike Pettin. I don't want to know what he can do to Joe Barry. What What are your thoughts going into this game? Obviously, we'll talk about the offense, but the defense, I am scared as hell. Yeah, Griff, I was kind of the same way where, like, you you didn't – I didn't know what – I knew it was San Francisco, like, in the back of my mind, but then, like, you hear – then it's on Sunday night. I I was in the same way where I was, like they, – they started talking about the matchup. I was like, oh, wow, that's a big game, and that's going to be a tough one. Like, that's – the way the defense was playing – like, I feel like the, it's going to be tough to win. Like, I, I, the way they played in week one and the way that they played in the first half, it it's like – you, you think about it, like, we've always had trouble with San Francisco. They're healthier now than they were last year when we beat them. Like, it's just so – it's it, it feels like it's going to be really hard to win. And I hate saying that. Like, I'm thinking – I'm looking at this team, and it's just like, this team isn't as good as it was last year. Like, offensively, it's not there yet. And defensively, it's not even close. And we were bad on defense for a lot of times last year. Like, I don't know how we're going to win this game unless we play like we started playing last year and we start getting into a groove, which is possible. But it just seems like it's so, like, I just don't know if we can win this football game. And it's like, they're banged up. They don't have as many good players, like, in the secondary like they used to. Like, Richard Sherman's not there. Like, their secondary is banged up. Their running backs are all banged up. There's no Raheem Mostert out there that's going to be beating us, like, their offensive line is even banged up. Obviously, Jimmy G is trying to – he's sitting there playing nervously because he's got a quarterback sitting behind him, and any mistake that he makes could cost him his job, so he's playing tense. Like, But still, even looking at it, it's just like that defense is scary. Like They've got legit players that are going to be a problem, and I could totally see a scenario where the same things that have haunted us for a long time against some of these teams are going to haunt us again. If Kevin King is out there – it's going to be target Kevin King. They're going to run the ball down our throats with our weak defensive line with a lot of untalented players playing significant snaps. And it's going to be on offense, 
pressure Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line is going to crumble because this is the first really good pass rush we'll, we will have faced. And we're not going to have time to throw. Rodgers is going to get out of rhythm. We can get down early. All of a sudden, we can't run the ball. That defense is going to stop the run. It's going to pressure the quarterback. Rodgers won't have any time. We won't even you know, the secondary of the Niners. It won't even be a factor. The fact that they've got injuries because the running game won't be going, and Rodgers is going to be pressured. Everything will get out of rhythm, and the defense will get gashed by the running game. Then that'll open up the passing game for the Niners, and like I could just totally see it playing out like that. And that's 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 sadly what I'm thinking is going to happen at this point. And it's I I've never like sat here and predicted loss. Like I I and I don't know if we're going to lose. I want us to win. I don't know if I'm going to predict us to lose, but I feel very bad about this game. And it's not because it's the Niners. It's It also has to do with the fact that we're not playing the same as we were playing last year. Usually if it's a great team that we're facing, I know what kind of team we are and who we have on this roster and the fact that we have Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to pick Green Bay anyway. But I sit here at this point and it's just like, this is going to be a tough game to win. And it's a big game and it's huge magnitude. And it just seems like such a tough matchup. This is probably how Baltimore fans felt last week going in against Kansas City. And look how that game turned out. That It could go the same way, you know. Uh, the, the 49ers, they do not have Robert Sala anymore. They've lost a lot of a lot of the pieces in the secondary that they used to have. No Richard Sherman that we were used to playing. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the offense can get going. Obviously, the front four is definitely dangerous. That game last year on Thursday night, that hardly even counts because that was not the 49ers. That was like the 49ers preseason team that we beat up on, as we should have. But, uh, obviously, this Nick Bosa going up against potentially Bill Turner for the game. I mean, even if Elton plays, I have no doubt that the 49ers are going to put Bosa against Turner at least a few times, you know. I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, I don't. Matt LaFleur, Rodgers, they got to be in the stew this week cooking up a good game plan because they, they've got to assume that the 49ers are going to score on every possession that they have. We have to be ready to score 40. Like, that's that's the mentality they have to have, that we cannot, we cannot waste any possessions, especially in the first half. We got to get this thing going and get it going quickly because the 49ers, they're, they're going to they're going to have their way against Joe Barry and the Packers defense. They're going to. They are going to. And the problem is that it's in San Francisco. And the way this team has played in California, in Florida, and it's not even, it's not even going to be a oh hot weather God. game. It's not even going to be a hot weather game, but it's, it's a night game, but it's in California. And for some reason, it's like without fail, we lose in these, sta- in these cities and states. Like, it's just, I don't know why. I can't explain it. I was, I'm not a believer in this, like, oh, it, just because they're in Florida, they're going to lose, or just because it's in San Francisco, we're going to. It's like, well, they've lost and they continue to lose, and they do it in week one. Even when the game is moved to Jacksonville, it's like, oh, well, just mark it up as a loss because they can't play in that state. It's just, it's amazing. It's, it's like, it's the weirdest it. thing. Aaron is from California. Why does he suck? Why does that make he any played sense? Cal in college. He played at Cal. Like, I don't, it, I don't even know. It's not just him, it's the entire team just completely just fails to show up and get off the plane. I don't know. What, I don't, but will that happen this week? Are they Maybe. up there cooling before the game? Are they sunbathing? I have no idea what's going on. I don't Can't know. do that in Green Bay? Would, Why they the, pulling an Odell Beckham Jr. on the boat? Are they on the boat yeah. in Miami before the game? Like, is this what that is? Like, is that what it, that's what it reminds me of. 
Like, are they yeah. wearing Tim's on the boat again? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but we're in a situation where it's like you, you either gotta. I, I, what? Do, why? Why is this going to be different, Griff? We're sitting here at San Francisco. That should tell us all what we need to know because things haven't changed in that regard for multiple, multiple years. And it's the same. It's like the same game plan. The same. The same way that the Niners have beat us when they beat us twice in 2019. Nothing's changed about us that's going to alter the fact that they can do that again to us. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that same game plan will work. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know how we're going to win. I really hope we're going to win. I'll find a way to convince myself that we're going to win at some point, but I just don't know. I'm looking at it as objectively as I can, and it just seems really tough. It's a tough ask to go into San Francisco and win a game in general, but forgetting the fact that we don't do that and haven't done it, and we've always had trouble against them, it just seems so unlikely. Like, it's weird. I don't even know what to think at this point. I talked about earlier how Joe Barry's philosophy is two safeties, prevent the pass, invite the run. I mean, the worst team to do that against is like Tennessee and uh, and San Francisco probably, especially knowing how that NFC Championship game went two years ago. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to be like, okay, I will. And then I don't even know who they're running back in. It's, it, it never matters who it is because Kyle Shanahan is a wizard and he – He's got something against Green Bay where he's just got to throw everything at us and we're never able to stop it, uh, except last year where he was playing with his preseason squad. But, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like, once again, who cares? I don't even – it's not even worth talking about him because it's – for the defense, it's all going to be about the ground game. And knowing our run defense, knowing the state of our defense in general for the past two years, this is a game where they really just – they really just shit the bed. and. That's why the only, I don't like being so pessimistic, but the only way we can win this game, I think, is if Rodgers, Jones, and Adams, they just come out firing. You know, get those guys involved early. Throw to your superstars. Maybe we can finally connect on an MVS touchdown. Just feed it to Jones. Feed it to Adams. I don't know how well they're going to be able to run the ball against this defense, but, you know, test it out. See how it's going. If it's not working, just go to the quick passing game because it's the worst thing that can happen, I think, is... Three and out, opening drive. San Francisco goes right down the field scores. So then we just abandon the run, and we're trying to take 20-yard chunk plays on every snap. I think that's the worst thing that can happen against this team. So uh, the, the they're 2-0, and out too. The 49ers, it's not even like – it's not even just because they're the 49ers. They're actually a good team. They got good, good players on that team. And uh, it's – I am very, very nervous, but I'm – I'm hoping that Rodgers and LaFleur, they're, they're going to know what to do against this team. Yeah, there is like, we want that ball. I think we're going to try to take the ball if we can if we can choose to, you know what I mean? If we win the toss, I think we're going to try and get the ball, you know? But the problem is, if for some reason we start out slow like we have, maybe it's not all to do with the fact that we're deferring. Like, maybe it just has to do with the fact that we're starting off slow. Maybe the script stuff isn't working. So... Uh, then we go three and out like you mentioned or whatever and then now the Niners get it and then they score and now we're playing catch up at an even higher level because there's the potential that they could double up and get more possessions and and score more points like there's no right answer to the questions that we've asked there's no right reason to believe that we're going to win I don't know what it's just like I don't know can this team play better than it's played these past two weeks yes I think the second half showed what the what the team can be but like you know, everybody's excited and everybody feels good about the win. And I feel great about winning that football game. 
the way we, we were able to finish and, and hold them, you know, to keeping them at 17 after they had that at half and getting to the 35 points. But it didn't feel as good as last year. Like, even on offense, like, and it, some of it has to do with Rodgers, but, like, it just didn't feel as good. Like, last year's offense was spectacular. Like, almost every game it was, like, Rodgers is lighting it up and Adams and Jones. It's, like, this year it's just, like, that – look, it's been two games, and we've only had one good half of football to show what we can be. But, like, we have to be better than that to beat San Francisco. We have to be better than we were against the Lions in the second half. Like, Rodgers has to make all those throws that he missed a couple. We talked about it. He'll he'll be better, but it's more than just him. He'll be – he's perfect. He'll get to that perfect mark that he always tries to reach. He'll hit those throws. He doesn't miss throws very often, you know. He had a few misses. Okay, you know, get back to the drawing board and, and get back to what you do best. These other guys, though, like, will the defense show up? Like, I don't know. It's like we have to play better than we've played in the last couple of years and in these last two games, especially on defense. So I, that's what I think. Look, the Eagles lost by – or the Eagles lost by six points to that team, and the Niners almost got beat by the Lions on a comeback where they were up 40-something to 17, and then they got it all, all the way down to a point where they could tie the game. I, I don't know what – maybe the Niners aren't as good as I'm giving them credit. I don't know, but like, I don't think we're good enough to beat the true Niners that we've faced over the years right now. And look, it, like I said, it's been two weeks, so I don't really know the, the makeup of this team fully, and maybe they'll show us who they are by beating the Niners. But the way they played in week one and the way they played last week is not enough for me to go out and say I'm confident that this team is going to win and beat the 49ers in San Francisco. I agree, but yeah, I can never predict a loss. I can never predict a loss, so... I think the only way that we can really win this game is an offensive explosion. So my score prediction is going to be 42 to 35. Big uh, game-winning touchdown. How about you, Brom? Yeah, with all that said, I'm picking the Packers to win 55 to 7. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, don't, I can't, Griff. I can't predict the loss. I'm not going to predict a yeah, loss. No. I'm not going to sit here and predict a loss. Like, I can't do it. Basically, this is guess if we win what the score is going to be. That's how I play it. So, like you said, it's going to have to be high scoring. Or maybe it won't. Maybe we'll pony up on defense and play. I don't know. But I'm going to go along the lines of what you have. So, I'm going to give us 40. And I think San Francisco, they're good enough to score on us. This defense has a lot of weaknesses. And the Niners know just how to target those weaknesses. But... We have the better quarterback. We have the better receiver room. Their receiver room is beat up. We've got the better running back. We've got the better running game. Everything about our offense is better than their offense. And in an offensive firepower matchup, I'm going to take the Packers here, 40 to 32. All right, sounds good. I'm hoping we're right. I'm hoping that Joe Barry turns into Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells and just shuts down this Kyle Shanahan-led offense. But, uh, you know. I think we all know how it's going to go on that side of the ball. Offense is going to have to match it. Rodgers is going to have to match it. Bring the energy. Enough of this. Uh, I'm so sick of the uh, we didn't have the energy coming out of the locker room. Just shut up. Why not? Why is it every week we don't have the energy? Week that, one, right? you don't have the energy? What is that? Like what? What shut is up. that, Griff? Bring what the energy, garbage? man. First know. of all, one thing NFC Championship game. You don't have the energy? What do you mean? Right, right. One thing I'll say about Aaron Rodgers, and Griff, you made a great point there. And I'm going to get into this a little bit. Like, Aaron always comes out, and if, when they play bad, it's like, I didn't feel good about the energy in the locker room. And it's like, okay, 
Aaron, I know you lead by example, and I know that you're not the type of rah-rah guy, and we we love that about you. But at the same time, like maybe maybe he didn't recognize that the energy was low until after the game, or maybe he, in hindsight, he should realizes he should have beforehand. But to me, like if you, you have to respond, like he always talks about how like sometimes there's a need for me to speak up, and sometimes there's a need for guys to just sit and watch and and understand and and listen to what I. Listen to my approach and, and just watch from afar. And but like, there's also a time, and I think he knows this, where like he needs to do whatever the team needs. And if the team is for some re- some reason going out there with low energy or in the locker room, whatever the the total vibe of the team is, if it's a cockiness that they're they're you know they're gonna roll over everybody they play because they've got Aaron Rodgers and they're running it back and they've whatever. Like if that was it, then Rodgers needs to kind of find a way to humble them. If it's if it's just like a lack of energy, then Rodgers needs to get up as the leader of this team and get everybody excited. Like there has to be something there where like you can't be using that excuse. If you recognize that, then fix it before it becomes a problem. We can't let this happen in San Francisco. We can't exactly. do it. There can't be that excuse again. We can't have it. It's time to step up. Everybody, all the leaders, everybody with the captain's patch, they need to put their put it all together and, and they need to put themselves together and as a unit, bring the energy, bring the fire, you know, come ready to play. Like, we can't be doing this coming off the plane and not getting off the plane. I agree. Matt LaFleur, too. Come on, man. Come on. Get up. Get get these guys ready. What do you mean? Yep. Jeez. Yep. That better not happen. If it happens, I, I'm not going to be surprised. But, man, I'll, I'm going to be so upset. Uh, that does it for us, bro. Yeah, thank you. That does it for us. Uh, we've had a... Long, long conversation here about the state of this Packers team, which we had to. I mean, we didn't do a pod last week, so it makes sense why we had to. But uh, that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week, hopefully after a Packers win over the 49ers. That would be nice. Uh, that Anything else, Bron? I don't think so, right? Kind of covered Just everything. Just go Pack Go. Just go Pack Go yeah. always. Thanks, everybody, go, for go. listening. We're back, baby. Today in Town is yep. back. It is back. Yeah, we'll be back next week, too. So uh, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Subscribe to the podcast iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, you know the drill. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers Braun. You can follow him on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. Thank you so much for listening. If you got to this point, you are a saint. And we'll see you guys next week. Go Pack Go.